Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Today on the line, we have uh, Michelle Cameron, and she's a licensed clinical psychologist. And what we're going to be discussing today is uh, psychology, uh, working through internal conflicts, and the force of genuine desire and where that could really lead to. But before we get into any of that, Michelle, would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself, tell um, the audience a little bit more about uh, your background and how you got into doing what you currently do? Sure. So I'm an American psychologist living in Buenos Aires. I got my degree at the University of Belgrano. So I studied, I got my major in psychology there. And then I uh, did my internship at the Hospital de Clinicas, the local hospital in Buenos Aires. And then I pursued a women's master's degree in um, women's psychology at New York University. So then that's a little bit about my back. Then I came back to Buenos Aires and did a uh, clinical postgraduate degree in clinical psychology. So I started working with patients about 15 years ago. Awesome. So what kind of led you down the path of psychology? Oh, I just, I always, uh, I think it had to do a little bit with my dad. He always said that I was a good listener and a good friend. And then in school, in high school, I really liked psychology. It was just like a real pleasure to study uh, both like the sociological aspect and the psychological aspect of humans. And then I thought, I think I'm going to go for this. Um I also liked marketing, but um, then I thought, you know, psychology can be applied to marketing as well, so I'm just going to go for that. And the funny thing is that the first year, it was so hard that I kind of left it. I was like, no, this is way, <laughs> this is like way too difficult. You know, I was 17, 18 years old, and I thought, I don't, I don't think I can do this. And then, like, six months later, I was like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go find that. Hurt. There you go. I'm tired. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is really what I want to do. So I um, kind of went back to university uh, here in Buenos Aires, and I, uh, and I continued. And then I did the five years, those two years at the hospital, and then I realized, yeah, this is what I want to do. It's just really gratifying because you see how much you can help people and and how you know that's just a really gratifying experience you know from a very young age because we start doing practices uh you know when we were 20 like in third year fourth year of university we were already working uh you know observing patients for hospitals and just having like a real practical experience at drug addiction centers and I just thought, wow, this is amazing that, you know, how humans can help other, other humans, you know, this is just, this is really what I want to do. And so I went for that and, you know, just that's a little bit about how I got into, into psychology (laughs) because of how difficult a path that was because it was really difficult. 
Yeah, I can definitely see it being pretty difficult because, I mean, psychology is basically how people are interacting with others, how they interact with themselves, how they kind of basically do everything in life. So kind of taking that on um, at a young age when you're fresh into college, I could see how overwhelming that could be and how challenging it would be to kind of want to stick through with that because it's a lot to take in. Yeah, and especially because there's so many, like at that time, there were so many ongoing debates on whether psychology being a science or not and so forth. And like, then I got into the psychoanalytic theory, which was really encouraged me to see things from a non-scientific perspective because for something to be science, you have to be able to replicate the experiment several times and get the same results. Like, you all know Einstein, for example. His experiments are constantly being replicated even today, and people are always getting the same results. So that's, like, real, like, science. But with humans, it's very difficult because each one of us is such a different person and such a different, you know, upbringing and, and, you know, DNA, and there's just so many things that factor into an individual that it's really hard to, you know, kind of replicate an experiment, although, you know, um, there's the cognitive side of psychology, which is considered science, evidence-based and so forth, but in psychoanalysis, which is um, more uh, of what I practice, um, you don't have that opportunity because we see each individual as an individual, right? So everybody yeah. is very different in, in in their composition. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, it's very very. It was very challenging at a young age, and you know that's why I left it. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a thought, and I gave it a long thought. You know, and, but I just uh, desire. <laughs> you know, I just went back and. Decided, I'm going to go for this. This is what I want. And there's no one in my family, no, no, nobody even knew about psychology. They all, you know, were quite amazed and surprised that I was going to pursue something, you know, which is so different from what everybody else was doing. Like, you know. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was quite a ride that I've been enjoying for, for many, many years now. And it just keeps getting better because, of course, experience and clinical practice gives me so much. It's so rewarding. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I'm glad that you uh, found a lot of the rewards in doing uh, psychology. Um, when we kind of think about, like, life in general, there's so many aspects where psychology could be applied. I know the main topic of our uh, discussion is going to be internal conflicts and how to overcome them. But aside from that, like, what are some of the things that you kind of see as most beneficial areas that people could kind of benefit from understanding how things work from a more psychological end? So something that I feel that is changing and that is very helpful is like this whole uh, therapy culture where before, you know, only if you had like severe problems, you would go to therapy and you would, you know, uh, try to, you know, uh, understand things or, you know, uh, I think that has changed a lot. I think people are... Um, becoming more aware and trying to understand more about themselves and that, you know, this leads to a truer connection to desire. Now, from a psychological perspective, desire is a very uh, central concept 
course, but it's also a very um, slippery one because uh, the internal conflict has to do with, you know, first of all, what do I want? And is that really what I want? And if I want this, why am I doing nothing to achieve it, you know? So all of these internal uh, factors uh, have a direct impact in us. And also, this is a little bit more complex, and I'm not going to get into it because it's very, um, it's very, it's not so easy to understand. But also in psychoanalysis, there's a concept uh, by Lacan which says that, you know, desire ultimately is the other's desire, like the other with a capital O, meaning your mom's desire, your family's desire, society's desire, what does society want from me, as opposed to what you really want. And and also, once you discover what you want, sometimes what you want is not really what you want. <laughs> so it's kind of complex, and in, the, in practice, you see it all the time. For example, you see a man who is really in love with this lady, but he's married, but he loves this other lady. And for some reason, his wife, uh, and there's a philosopher, Sussex puts it out there really well, uh, his wife, for some reason, goes on to something else, and the guy's like, now left with the opportunity with, to be with his lover and this woman that he so much desires, but then he doesn't desire her anymore. So then that's oh. like... I don't want what I really want. I thought I wanted, but then with the other woman leaving him, he no longer wants to be with the woman he thought he desired. <laughs> so it's just quite complex, this desire um, thing, you know. Um, that's why it's so important to become aware of what it is that that you really want. And, and, and for it to be genuine, it has to come from your heart. It has to be something that you really feel that is that is yours, you know, like um, that's, that's what you want. And then, you know, uh, there's so many possibilities once you discover that, you know. I don't know if you're aware that recently the Argentinian team won the, the World Cup, you know. Oh, yeah. It was the biggest celebration in the history of soccer. And so I wanted to link desire to that also because... These people, I mean, this team really desired that cup, and they had a purpose which was beyond ego or beyond being competitive. They really had, they, they repeatedly stated that they wanted to give the Argentinian people happiness. Now, let me contextualize this for a second. Argentina is, you know, has been going through a lot of political, economic turmoil. People are not having a good time. It's just a very difficult situation from every perspective. Their currency is worth very little. People work a lot and they're unable to, you know, sustain themselves. And this is like 40-50% of the population. So I'm talking like a very large percentage of the population being in the poverty line, including kids, which is quite alarming. So uh, but the Argentinian team, different members of different players, that they repeatedly stated that they wanted to give the Argentinian people happiness. And that's, that just shows the power of that desire, which is beyond yourself even. It has to do with something greater than that. And that gives it, like, a true power, if I have to put it in some, in some way. 
Yeah, I could definitely see that. And that is a very empowering event for the uh, entire country because you have uplifted spirits. I, I heard, like, the cheers through some videos. You could hear that all through the town. It's kind of wild, like, uh, how excited everyone in the community got. And um, that passion and that desire was definitely there from the teammates, for sure. And it did go beyond themselves because they wanted to do it for the country, for the passion of the game, and so forth. Um, one thing that was kind of unusual about that win was um, when uh, the uh, person who cuts up steak um, went up and held the trophy. He had a weird desire in that situation to kind of participate, and now he's banned from all of the World Cups altogether. Um, what, what would you kind of think of situations like that? Uh, when when someone hugged the cop, is that the question? Yeah, like when um, the uh, uh, when the Salt Bay went up there and started um, taking pictures with the uh, cup and going up to uh, the athletes and so forth. Who was going up to the athletes? The, uh, the players? Oh, uh, no, Salt Bay. He owns a, he's a, he owns a few restaurants. And uh, he went up and uh, held the, world, the uh, cup from the game. Um, you didn't see those images? Um, I saw the images of the of the uh, people like the players hugging the cup and so forth, but I'm not exactly getting the the the, the athlete like what they were do what else they were doing. Maybe it's because of communication. Like I can't hear you very well. So, but um, I'm not, if you could explain the, <laughs> the image again because I, I I didn't get that last part. Um, sure. We'll hop off to a commercial break and uh, bring that topic back up. Uh, where can people find you online? Yeah, I'm going to wait online. Oh, where, where can people find you online um, um, if they want oh, to follow you? Can, get more yeah. uh, people can find me on Twitter. That's my main, um, that's where I, uh, where I communicate. I'm, on, I'm also on LinkedIn. On Twitter, I'm at Take It Eze, so that's T-A-K-E-T-Z-E, Take It Eze. So Eze, as in um, Ezeiza, which is the Buenos Aires Airport. Um, and on LinkedIn, I'm Michelle Cameron, clinical psychologist, because there's a lot of Michelle Cameron. So I'm based in Buenos Aires, but mainly Twitter. Awesome, and you can find me at Mr. Lenny Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success 
is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you feel stuck, exhausted, or just unsure of how to handle everything at once that life is throwing your way, you'll want to listen to What's Important Now, Making Time for What Matters Most with Eva Medelec. Eva and her guests will help you learn to focus on the most important priorities in your life so you can handle them one at a time instead of being constantly overwhelmed. What's Important Now, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with Michelle Cameron. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Uh, Michelle, did you have a chance to look over those pictures of uh, what happened over at the World Cup? Uh, oh, okay. No, I didn't see the. I didn't see the picture. Hold on a second. Let me. Let me. Just saw that. Um, you. You mean about the corrupt person touching the World Cup and that? Yeah, like sometimes and a weird desire comes and someone has a passion for a weird thing and then they do something unusual. What, what's your thoughts about that? Yeah, um, that, that, uh, first of all, I had not seen that image. Uh, I don't know who that restorer is, but what I can tell you, and there's even a documentary on Netflix, I highly recommend you to see it. It's about the uh, corruption and, and that goes on with soccer. Now, mm-hmm. they, I don't, I'm not familiar with this particular image, but there, there's this, um, you can find that it's called FIFA Corrupt. I don't know what it's called really, but it's um, it talks about there's currently going on a lot of corruption in the soccer arena uh, throughout the globe. Uh, I think they've pretty much stopped it now because the main um, actors have gone to prison and so forth. That uh, until recently, uh, if not still currently, there's still a lot of um, of things going on that I'm not particularly familiar with because I'm not a, a sports psychologist. I'm, I'm a clinical psychologist, but um, mm-hmm. so I don't know too much about that. What I can tell you is that if we relate that to desire is, you know, again, is this what I want? And, you know, how do I deal with this? That Because desire also generates more desire. And sometimes you're like the uh, man, like the example that I gave you with a man that is now able to be with his mistress, and he doesn't want that. So now we have this, but we don't, we don't want to be loved. And, you know, we don't want people to, because look, this guy is here and we don't, maybe we don't deserve this. And that's very much related to all the internal conflicts that we were talking about before. And if you take it to, you know, famous singers and people that were just very, very talented and, you know, somehow they did not 
want what they thought they wanted, you know. Although it mm-hmm. could have been genuine, but you have, you know, I don't know, I could name 10 people like Amy Winehouse or, you know, people that were extremely talented and that made huge achievements in their lives and, you know, brought joy to people with their wonderful music and their wonderful creations, and yet they destroyed themselves because, you know, that's a very particular thing that depends on each individual and it would have to be analyzed. On a you know on an individual basis and to see exactly what happened, so I won't be able to make an exact appreciation on what happened to these people, but it has to do with this internal conflict of okay now I've made you know I've made it up to here this is where I want it to be but is it where I want it to be and can I deal with you know this you know desire being uh, satisfied. So it's a very uh, it's a very complex thing. However, what I can say is that aside from that um, aside from that image, uh, this particular team and Messi, uh, the Messi is one of the, the main players in the team. He you know he also had a very difficult time. In fact, the paradox is that he couldn't grow. Like he, symbolically, the meaning of that lack of possibility to grow and where he has gotten in life uh, is really interesting because he, you know, he was, he, he was determined when he was 10 years old that he was, that he was lacking the growth hormone and that he was going to, he was going to be like a, like a midget almost because he was going to be, you know, uh, he, he wasn't going to be able to grow. So they finally gave him some very expensive medication which he had to inject to himself because nobody in his family said they were able to do that because they were very impressed by the fact that he had to inject the 10-year-old in his knees. So he did it by himself every day, you know, the growth. Uh, and he was a very, very, very good soccer player. But then all the soccer teams and all the soccer clubs in Buenos Aires turned their back on Messi because, you know, the, the treatment was quite expensive. They didn't want to, you know, absorb that expense, although he was a brilliant player, until a guy from Barcelona saw him playing and, and told his father, bring this kid to Spain. I'm going to check him out. You know, I'm going to see what this is what this is about. He's really good. So his father takes him to Spain, does the impossible, because they were from a very small town, humble family. They do the impossible uh, to take him to Spain, and they're there for a few days, and the guy never calls. So his father, Messi's father, says, we have to leave. And Messi says, Dad, give me one more day. Just give me one more day. I really want this. I desire this. And so his father said, okay, one more day. Uh, one more day. Pedilo, yo después lo pago. And next thing you know, the guy appears the last day when they were leaving because they could no longer afford hotels or anything. Sorry, that's my son because I'm at the tennis club and um, I wasn't going to be here today, but that's the way life is. So I'm here with my little boy. Um, and so his father said, okay, you know, let's meet. And so they met and they signed the contract on the napkin and everybody knows Uh, how that story continues with Messi in Barcelona and his genuine desire, not his father's, not his 
not the other with the big old society, your best friend or girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, whatever. It was his desire to play soccer. So um, he's really gone, uh, you know, through great pain to get to where he is because nobody believed in him. And I think some of the greatest stories that we hear have to do with these vulnerabilities where people, um, you know, go beyond the impossibility of placed by others and really pursue uh, their dreams and with a purpose, of course. So uh, I want to quote Solaire here. Um, he says that a petrified individual is one that does nothing to know him or herself. So you see these people go uh, live, you know, live life like, like robots, never stopping to question what, what it is that they really want. It doesn't have to be at 10 years or 12. It could be at 60, 40. It doesn't matter. But the fact that you can breathe and say, where do I want to go from here is a really beautiful thing, I think. And uh, all the pain that people go through before getting to that point is really a beautiful thing, too, because it's a learning process and also because they're connecting to others because everybody is vulnerable. Not everybody says, oh, you know, I have this issue. And I was able to, although today with today's culture and uh, eagerness to know about oneself and, and empathy also, you know, how uh, empathy has become a really important um, concept in today's uh, world, which um, before wasn't, you know, so, so present. So I think that um, these things are, are really, um, are really important. Yeah, I think I really like what you said about Voltaire when people are kind of going out there and they're immobilized. They really don't know what they're doing and how some people out there, like Messi, go through the trials and tribulations and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And even with the growth spur, is able to go out there and do something phenomenal. Um, what do you think is the biggest differentiator that kind of separ separates the person who kind of goes out there and does nothing to the person who's able to make huge accomplishments like Messi? Um, I think that the biggest thing is desire. <laughs> and uh, when I say genuine desire, I mean really following your heart and doing what it is that you want to do. Because even today, as advanced as we are, as societies have grown and people are, you know, even today, when you're at a point in life, when you're 20, 21, 22, you're still very much living to satisfy the other, you know, the other with the big O. You're not even questioning yourself, but you want to somehow, uh, you know, be liked for some reason or, or, or fit in or, you know, be approved or look for validation or which is okay. All humans need validation, but what you need to do, and I think the big difference between those people that uh, are petrified, you know, and those people that are moving, is that some people are making a pause to think what it is that they really want, not what other people want from them or expect from them. They're really making a pause, and that little pause, which can be 
you know, going for a walk or, you know, looking at the stars or talking to a friend or reading or anything that is investing in you. I think that makes the, the biggest difference. And also, you know, some people are, you know, the desire is fed by the non-accomplishment. So because they don't achieve what they want, they're somehow inspired to continue. While other people don't have this, you know, they don't have this, that in them, and, you know, so they're, they can easily be, you know, carried by what is expected from them and just, you know, go to a regular job every day and not be happy with it and not even question why they're doing that. When really, when you stop and think about it, the possibilities are there for those that want them. You know, look at, again, the, the example of Messi, you know, he he was, or the team, if you want, since we're with the current, you know, still World Cup, but, you know, the, you know, France, historically, they were the current cup holder. That's very intimidating. They're a superpower. They have a history of soccer. They have a very important technological pole, the best trainers in the world. One of the uh, uh, Saudi Arabia trainers is French. They beat Argentina in the first, you know, round and so forth. But none of that, none of that can trump, you know, the uh, desire. The desire cannot be trumped by anything if the desire is there. Yeah, I can see that. Desire really plays a huge factor in how a lot of people are able to go and progress in life. Um, but then one thing you mentioned earlier, you kind of brought up a situation where a man thought he wanted a specific woman until his wife left him. How do you know what desire is the real desire that you truly have and what might be like something that people think is their desire but truly isn't their desire? Because, oh, that's a very good question. And I think that it's because desire is like falling in love. <laughs> I want to, uh, I want to, because when you, when you fall in love, you fall. <laughs> okay, let's take it to like a practical thing. You know, you're, you're, you're not maybe even looking to fall in love, but you fall in, you go out with a lady, you have a really interesting conversation, she's, you know, she's nice and loving and she has a lot of, and you fall in love, but maybe you weren't looking, it just happens. So desire is very much like that because it's the true desire kind of strikes you in a way. Mm -hmm. So you know that, you know when you fall in love because you feel it, right? Yeah. You feel, oh my God, I love this person. And it's the same with desire, so it kind of strikes, look, Lacan, which is a French, um, French psychoanalyst, um, has two, uh, he, he talks about, when he's talking about love, he talks about two different possibilities. One is, I love you even though you don't want me to love you, I love you anyways, which is not a very fertile ground to start anything, in my opinion. And then the other is, I love you. I don't know that I love you. And that I desire you, but I, but I feel this. So desire, when you, when you want something, you just know. Is basically what I'm trying to say. 
So um, the reason why I go back to um, psychoanalytic um, uh, statements is because it's a theory and it's a ground that helps me configure a lot of the uh, practical things that um, I do in, in, in when working as a psychologist. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. Well, it's about time for us to hop off to another commercial break. Where can people find you again, Michelle? Okay, so um, people can find me at Take It As A on Twitter. It's T A K as in take it I T. So take it E Z E. Take it as a. Awesome, and you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And get amplified. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here with Michelle Cameron, and we've been talking a lot about how desire really helps people go out there and propel in life. Um, one of the things that we wanted to kind of discuss in this uh, uh, radio show as well is um, working on internal conflicts. Um, a lot of people out there kind of have conflicts that kind of come up where we're not sure what to do in a specific situation because we might want one thing, but we might want the other. Um, Michelle, how would you go about handling internal conflicts? So, first of all, uh, on, on the first thing that you want to do if you're feeling, uh, you know, these internal talks about what you want, what you don't want, is this really what I want, and you're in a kind of doubtful state, the first thing I would recommend is asking yourself, first of all, becoming aware of these doubts. Why am I doubting? 
you know. Um, I've often had patients say, you know, I want this and that. And, and really, when you invite them to freely associate, that's not really what they want. That's just a current narrative that they're adhering to, or that's just what, you know, uh, his wife told him or that he wants, you know. So it's really important, I think, that um, you ask yourself from, from, from your heart, like, what is it? Why am I having, you know, these doubts? And kind of become aware of that. And then once you become aware of that, Try to fully kind of, I think that a good process is to kind of take all the layers off of, of what you don't want, you know, because that's always a little bit easier. So you can take away all those layers uh, and try to figure out what it is that you don't want, perhaps because of experience, you know. Let's put it into, for example, a job experience where you had, um, uh, you know, such and such employees or such and such job that you were not, you know, happy. So take that experience and feed from it to really kind of uncover what it is that you don't want in a job, in an employee, in a company culture, in, you know, um, and also in romantic relationships. What, you know, what have my past relationships taught me that I don't want because it hasn't worked for me or for the other person, perhaps. I, you know, it hasn't worked for us, okay? So kind of, I think that a really important thing to do is to, again, and I, and I want to emphasize this, the important thing always, I think, is to kind of make that pause because we live in these uh, crazy times where everybody's working, producing, consuming, and... Some people just have a very hard time making that pause, getting away from social media as much as I think it's really helpful. And I think that it's really good that people can communicate, but sometimes it can become a problem when you're stuck on that and on work and you have no, like, thinking space. So creating that thinking space is really crucial, I think, to determine uh, what it is that you want. And then also become aware that when you get what you want, you're going to want something else because desire is never satisfied. You know, once you get this, then you want something else, and then you want something else. You know, they were, they were talking about um, the... the um, and they were talking about the, the coach of the Argentinian coach. It's the first time he leads a, a team and he wins the World Cup. And, and the question among the psychoanalytic community in Buenos Aires is, what can this guy desire now? And at his first try, he reached, you know, the maximum prize, you know. So that's also another thing, like, what, you know, what other expectations do you have once you reach that, you know, in the case of the, of the man that no longer wants to be with a mistress, to, to ask himself, like, why, you know, did I not appreciate my wife and I still had her and now she's gone and now I don't want yeah. a mistress but I don't have my wife. So all of these things come into play when we, when we talk about desire. And one thing that Lacan says is that desire is a very difficult thing to articulate. 
So, um, you know, it's very important that you become aware and that you try to put the pieces uh, together to kind of understand how to go in the direction of what it is that you really want. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a process, but it's, it's a happy one to, once you realize what, what it is that, um, what it is that you want. And a good start is to kind of put the layers off of what you don't want. And then that'll clear the path, um, and lead you towards something, um, more desirable, something that you want. Yeah, I can definitely see that helping, and a lot of people out there are kind of having difficulty with this, so I think those tips are really going to be helpful for them. Um, when you when we kind of look at the, um, the regular person and going out there and getting that passion to go out there and do something like winning the World Cup, um, what do you see are the drivers behind the regular people who are kind of being able to go out there and do that? Uh, which people, the, the, the soccer players or? No, just people in general. Like, um, let's say I'm sitting here, I'm inspired. I got passion about the project. I want to go do something big. Um, what do you see in regards to someone like me or anyone who's listening to the show going out there and turning that passion into a reality? Oh, I'm sorry. There's, um... There, I lost you just now because, um, so people that, you mean like general people that go out there and try to accomplish yes. things? Is that the question? Yes. yes. Um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, again, I think it's, a it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, you all know about the Wright brothers. I mean, I, I love that example. The Wright brothers were from a very small town in Ohio and they had, very little funds. They they were competing against Langley, who had a lot of U.S. government funds for the uh, for creating the the first plane. And they had, I think it was the New York Times, or I don't know what uh, media. They had the you know uh, people following them around. They were publishing results, and they were they had every opportunity. Again, the desire of the Wright brothers, who did not have the funds did not publish their results, so nobody really knew what was going on with them because they were from a small town. They were, uh, you know, you know, followed around by, by the New York Times or, or I can't remember what they were. They were being, you know, published, what they were doing, and people knew exactly, and he was a very famous professor and so forth. But again, the Wright brothers really, they wanted this. They worked very hard to achieve this. And there's been a lot of claims of, no, the first one was this guy or this guy. But the fact is that it was the Wright brothers. If you go into the history of the Wright brothers, they were the first to fly. And they were the first creators of the airplane. Um, and I think that, again, they had a true desire. And they weren't doing it for, for fame or they weren't doing it for for profit, even they were, they were, they set their minds. They had a dream. Uh, you know, like let's go back to Martin Luther King, if you want. You know, I have a dream. What is your dream? What do you, what do you want? Truly, not, not what your mom wants, your brother, family, society, the current narrative is talking about. What, 
you know, why some, you see it in my practice, so many people that, you know, they kind of discover what they want and it, it really leads them to doing great things, starting companies, you know, working in foreign countries, you know, doing all these unimaginable things because simply they had never stopped to think, what is it that I want and why do I have all these internal conflicts of, you know, no, you can't do that, that's way, you know, that girl, no, you can't achieve that, regardless of the fact that there's an obsessive um, profile that always looks for the impossible woman, and there's a hysterical, a Freudian hysterical girl who is never satisfied, and beyond all of that, like, why is it that, you know, why is it that I have this impossibility to believe in myself and I have this talk this internal talk saying no that's too much you have to just just go and get a job and you know go and get the, 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 the right girl and you know just settle down with her. which is good if that's what you want of course that's beautiful if you want to have a family and you know get a job and of course that's a beautiful thing but, but you need to you know uh, be sure that that's what you want. And if, if you realize along the way that that's not what you want, you can change. Everybody is entitled to change, to grow, to evolve. There's no law saying that you have to stay in one place and not do anything. You know what I mean? And so that, that, I think, has a lot to do with this internal um, talk or internal conflict that goes on with um with people in general um and not just young people but also you know you see people in their 40s 50s um 70s you know and um that's actually never too late look at Saramago he wrote his first novel when he was 72 I think or you know actresses that started acting when they were 45 or you know it's so there's no age. The, the the main thing is to to live in accordance with your desire. And I think that's, that's I think that in therapy we try to um, work with those layers and make that that you know open possibilities. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And that inner thought does really shape how someone's life does end up. And people who are hard on themselves kind of do see life becoming a lot harder for them. Uh, Michelle, I wanted to thank you so much for sharing all of the, your insights with everyone here today. Um, where can people find you online again? So people can find me uh, on Twitter. Um and I'm also a psychologist in Buenos Aires. Just Google my Google business and just find my information or my practice and everything there. But my Twitter is T-A-K-E-I-T-E-Z-E. -E. Take it as it. Awesome. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us for another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out. Stand apart. 
and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.